0: Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Michael Erickson, Chief Information Security Officer for Baptist Health System of Kentucky and Indiana. I'm Anthony Guerra, founder and editor-in-chief. Michael, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Anthony. Good morning.
0: All right. Very good, Michael. I like to start these interviews off by uh, asking you about your career journey um, now, I see for you, uh, it's, it's a little unusual in, in the sense that you've been at Baptist for 26 years. So we don't see too much of that, but tell me about your career journey, um, how you wound up specifically in healthcare information security.
1: Yeah, my journey started, I spent the first half of my career um, doing system administration, endpoints, servers, and um, I specifically wanted to be in healthcare right out of school. So I was interested in healthcare technology. Um, So my career started with um, traditional IT operations and support. And then in 2005, 2006, I made the shift to management and continued that journey in infrastructure and had responsibility for security. But um, during my time doing system administration, I was writing a lot of scripts. I was writing a lot of automation and doing things that um, I was very interested in. I realized I could use those things to manipulate computers and and lots of computers at the same time. And it started to be something that was interesting to me, how uh, the unintended uses of technology. So I got interested in security through that. And then uh, 2016, we formalized the the role of chief information security officer. And I was grateful to have that opportunity to lead the organization in a new way and sort of establish a distinct security program.
0: That's very interesting. Another uh, CISO I interviewed had a very similar answer to how they got interested in security, which was they came to understand how data could be manipulated and and that so they they said themselves, this is like the wild west. This is crazy. I want to be on the side that helps put some parameters around this so it can be used properly. You're saying the same thing in a way.
1: Yeah, same thing,
0: definitely. F- fascinating. Um, were you you said you were always interested in healthcare? Were you ever think interested in the clinical side? What what made you, if you were interested in technology from the beginning, what made you? What were you? Why were you drawn to healthcare?
1: well i thought the technology would be a differentiator in healthcare i was not interested in being a clinical person but i could see the value of applying technology to clinical outcomes and uh, advancements in in clinical care both on the data management side and on the to just the the proliferation of medical devices
0: mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot of folks uh, security folks have come from the infrastructure side um some say that's because there wasn't a hard security discipline you know, 20 years ago, that it's sort of evolved naturally from infrastructure network work. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I I think security has been part of our jobs in the infrastructure world for a long time, too. So I think it's a natural fit.
0: All right, very good. So um, the genesis of this interview was a release that came out that you're doing work with a company called Sepio. We'll we'll get into that a little more. I want to I want to build the framework around what you're doing with them and and the larger issue. It's very interesting to me. Um, Here are some of the phrases in the release. Um, Hardware security related risks, physical layer vulnerabilities, weaknesses in physical security controls. Um, This is a very specific type of security we're talking about. We've talked a lot about medical device security, but this sounds like the larger issue the larger umbrella issue we're talking about of which medical device security is a component. Is that correct?
1: It is. Okay.
0: Tell me, just explain this issue to me uh, at a high level, um, this larger umbrella issue again.
1: Okay. Well, let's start with two of the main risks that we have in the industry right now. Two things. Social engineering is still a big risk that we're managing and vulnerability management or configuration management. So, it really ties into those themes. We've been doing quite a bit with fishing and uh, people, education and awareness and trying to, to help people understand those types of threats. And on the technical side, we've been spending a lot of energy with asset management, inventory, vulnerability management, patching, all of those things to try to make sure that all of those opportunities are closed. But if you think about the next generation of attacks, as things get smaller and more sophisticated in technology on, for all of the good reasons that we're doing things with medical devices and IOT attack tools are getting more sophisticated and smaller. And those tools in an environment can be um, a mechanism to launch an intrusion in a company, just like a phishing message can. So in, in this case with Sepio, we were looking for a, product or a service that could help us identify things before they take any action. We were looking at this problem from, you know, we're an organization with 400 clinical locations. It's a public institution for uh, taking care of our, our patients. So what if one of those devices wandered into our organization accidentally or on purpose? Uh, In a lot of ways in our field, we're monitoring the activity of things connected to our networks.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: But if you have an attack tool that's designed to actually look like or simulate or impersonate something that's relatively benign um, and it's in your environment and it's not doing anything, it's very difficult to know that it's there. So SEPIO has this technology that's actually fingerprinting things down to the peripheral device, mice, keyboards, everything. And they're able to understand if that device has anything embedded in it or an extra chipset, or something that may not be um, what it poses to be or or what it, it it's designed to do does that help
0: yeah yeah it does so you, the, the fascinating thing here is we're talking about physical devices mm-hmm. right things you can hold in your hand correct um so when we talk about, when we had been, when I had been talking with people about medical device security, we're talking about ensuring the security of the medical devices that the hospital has purchased. These are actual legit hospital devices that we're trying to protect from malware, correct? That's correct. one area. Okay. Correct. So that's that's in one box or one bucket, right? That's there. Now you're talking about actually people, bad actors, physically... Getting how close, how close to, in the hospital, in the physician practice, or is that what we're talking about? They're inside, literally, with the physical device? Uh,
1: that, that's, the, that's the opportunity that we're trying to close. So think about it as anything within proximity to a medical device or any kind of other connected device in an organization. It doesn't have to be a hospital. So it could be a wireless device, or it could be a physical wired device that's maybe it's got a keylogger built into it, or it's got some sort of a, um, you know, key keystroke injection mechanism, Any, anything that could be physically touching a device or in proximity to those devices.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you um, wind up because we're talking about physical things? Do we wind up as a CSO having more conversations with? physical security the people in charge of the physical security of the organization
1: we do and we have at, at our organization we have a very robust enterprise risk management function and that's cybersecurity is a part of that function so physical security is a natural fit there
0: and can you tell me about some of those discussions some of those interactions who's the key person what's their title That not the name, I don't need the name, but the title, just so people understand um, if you could give any advice about uh, those conversations CISOs should be having.
1: Yeah, think about it as a team of people. It's not any one individual title, but this is also a theme in in organizations is cybersecurity is a team sport. You have to have conversations with procurement, finance, physical security, the business leaders that are responsible for those different business units. It's a it requires that level of um, understanding of these types of problems so that everyone's aware and everyone's kind of um, understands the, the particular challenge you're trying to face.
0: All right. Very good. I want to read you one other sentence from the that you can go into a little bit. Organizations may also fall prey to supply chain attacks where criminals target target specific organizations with rogue hardware brought into the facilities. That's what we discussed Either deliberately or via unforeseen supply chain manipulations can I, I can you explain that to me a little more?
1: yeah, sure, so we think about the this part of the supply chain is not necessarily something that's happening in the manufacturing of a device, but what we're thinking about is the last mile, so if you think about the the delivery of a piece of equipment. Are we able to ensure that the equipment that we are expecting to be delivered is actually what was designed by the manufacturer? So what it ties back to our social engineering conversation too, Uh, this isn't about a prevalence of attack paths that we've seen. This is about shutting down an opportunity and being aware of these opportunities. So if someone accidentally has a package substituted in delivery or someone is unwittingly moving a device into our organization because they think it's legitimate. That's one attack path that we're trying to address here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's possible that someone is purposely trying to do that and wants to implant a device, but it's much more likely that someone is accidentally taking possession of something.
0: It's probably hard to answer, but do you think most CISOs are focused elsewhere? Uh, not on physical devices getting into you know, or near the facilities and that so much of the focus is on, I don't know what we call it, the traditional areas of, of IT security. And this is something people had better start thinking about more.
1: That's our, uh, our thought is we need to continue to focus a, a lot of energy on the traditional stack, but we also need to think about the next generation of attacks. So I think you cannot turn your back on this problem. You have to stay focused on those, making sure that those traditional tools are functioning and robust and continue to innovate in those spaces. For us, we were looking for another way to innovate in our threat management platforms. And this seemed to be a natural progression for us. So um, that's why it's not necessarily focusing on what's prevalent. We're focusing on reducing the opportunity for these types of things.
0: And and do you think there are state actors behind the, the physical device type attacks where you're getting that proximity? I mean, we're, you can't be talking about somebody sitting in Russia if there's a device coming near your property. Are we thinking this is a different group of actors or do we think state actors are sending folks around to do this kind of stuff?
1: I I don't know. I think that's probably a better question for Sepio because I'm, I'm not in tune with the, the nation state threat actors. What I'm looking at is simply someone like you've probably seen quite a bit of um, news about even something as simple as a credit card skimmers. When you go to the gas pump and your credit card's stolen, those mm-hmm. aren't nation state threat actors. Those are criminals trying to steal money.
0: Yeah.
1: So imagine that the criminals now find a way to pivot that strategy. And if, you know, find a way to extort money or uh, do something malicious in a in an organization. So I think it's much more complex than just a nation state threat actor conversation. I think it's thinking through the ways organized crime might use this technology as well. Uh,
0: you've obviously you know uh, thought about this issue. Some came into your world, into your thinking, into the way you absorb information, your sources of threat intelligence. What can you tell me about that? About the ways that you stay abreast and current so that you're able to say, hey, there's something going on over here and we have to start looking over here. And you know what I mean? How how do you do that?
1: Uh, the simple way is to stay in tune with the innovations in advanced penetration testing tools and talking to people that are certified ethical hackers and do that for a living. Um, the, there's quite a bit of advancement. Even commercially available tools are becoming cheaper and easier to obtain to use these physical proximity devices to to help companies understand their vulnerabilities. So, just like we've seen with software tools and social engineering, uh, some of those tools end up in the hands of criminals and can be useful to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, one of the other things mentioned was that the the, the tool you're using with Sepio um, integrates fairly easily into security controls. That's an important thing as a CISO, right? You can't have one of solutions all over the place that don't work together. So tell me about that concept and, and your thoughts as you go into the marketplace and look for different holes to plug in your stack, so to speak, to make sure that it comes together. Yeah.
1: So I think a lot of people outside of our field think about security as some sort of technology is the secret to it but really it's your people and the amount of time that you have. Those are the precious resources. So whenever you're buying a tool, you, you have to take those things into consideration. How, how long is it before we see value from the tool and how many people is it going to take to maintain and support and manage the tool? So if we try to maximize those things, um, it's it's a factor in a business decision, and Cepio happened to be something that's very lightweight, something that was very simple to install, and we saw value from it very quickly without adding staff.
0: What's your process? I would imagine everybody's got a different buying process, and you're not just going to sit there and let uh, salespeople tell you how great everything is. Uh, what do you want to see? What proof do you want? They say, Oh, it does this. It does that. It, it's easy to deploy. It integrates with everything. Did you say, show me?
1: Of course we did. And, and a lot of that comes from customer feedback. So talking to other customers that have already previously implemented the product. And sometimes it comes from a proof of concept or a try before you buy. Um, that's not always something that we do because that can sometimes be a sales t- tactic as well. Um people like to come in and say, here, I'm going to show you where all your risk is. And then you're sort of, uh, motivated to buy from that. So for us, um, it was much more looking at other industries, especially financial services and some other areas that have were early adopters of Sepio that, that helped us kind of, um, with that decision.
0: So Sepio, like any, any vendor in your health system is a third party vendor, uh, you know, security around third-party vendors is a huge, huge issue now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just had the, the not stunning thought that even security vendors are third-party vendors. Security vendors that are supposed to help you with security are third-party vendors. Um, and, you know, I've talked to different people, and people have programs in place. Uh, they may be somewhat automated. They may be more manual. Some folks are saying, we have a we have a program where going forward we're getting really good with that third-party vetting, but we've just got way too many vendors to go back and check everybody. Uh, What are your thoughts around third-party security?
1: I think it's critically important. And because those third parties have access to our systems, they have access to our data to some extent uh, on a limited basis. So I think it's important for us to have uh, quite a bit of scrutiny on those vendors and and it's a risk-based approach. So The more data they have access to or the more likely they are to need remote access to us, that pushes them up the criticality list and we spend more time scrutinizing those people. Um, But I think it's also helpful to think about them as an extension of your organization. So their security has an impact on your security. So um, I think in the future, you'll see more people adding that um, as a decision uh, decision point mm-hmm. much more important decision for organizations selecting a vendor
0: i've heard some cso's express some frustration uh with the the you know if you're going to come at me you're going to try and sell to me you you say you've got this you've got to have your house in order you've got to have some certain stamps of approval um you know the, the, there's, there's third parties out there that give you vendor stamps of approval Um, have you been surprised maybe at some of the lack of security controls you've seen at third parties that want to work with you?
1: No, it it doesn't surprise me. Um, we, I, I think it's, it's something that is hard to manage and measure. So there's not a, a defined framework just yet. It's getting better, but it's difficult to say what is mature and who is secure. Um, so those third parties may have the intent they may be working very diligently on these things and they don't pass certain people's expectations but i i think it's an industry problem i think it's it's collectively have to get better at understanding what what is the what what is the assessment framework what how do you assess what is safe and secure
0: and and if you have hundreds, thousands of of third parties that you're working with, there's probably hundreds, um, and you do an assessment, that's a snapshot in time, right? So that one year from now, that kind of needs to be renewed and reviewed. There could be a change of leadership where a focus is lost and what was secure is no longer. So that makes it even more complex, right?
1: It is. And I think there's some commercial products looking into continuous monitoring and, and trying to innovate in that space. I think we've got some, there's some work to be done there, but um, for us, we do periodically go back to those vendors and we are also using managed services so that we, if if they're working with another client and they see an issue that we hadn't assessed in the last couple of months, pop up with another client, we get an alert on that. So it's, I think you have to have a team of people focused on this and you have to be pretty diligent among them, about these
0: things. Let's talk a little bit about zero trust. Um, usually when I ask uh, healthcare CEOs about zero trust, they like it, they're interested in it, but they're a little intimidated by it. They say, oh, well, we're working towards it, but it's very aspirational at this point, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. Uh, where, what are your thoughts around zero trust?
1: as a concept i think it's wonderful i think it has to be applied at different layers of the organization though it's not one thing and it's not one particular uh solution so that's that's the the only criticism i have about it is some people want it to be simple and and linear it's not so it's really about authenticating people and things and making sure that you know what is intended to be used on your in your environment network wise so with the proliferation of impersonations of and people's, you know, the attack paths that that use an existing person's authentication or uh uses an authenticated device, uh it's zero trust is a big challenge. But it's it's a combination of things: network segmentation, two-factor authentication, different layers of control. SEPIO is part of our zero trust platform. I I think it's it's going to be something that has to be plugged in at all layers of the organization.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the other uh, areas that can be challenging for large organizations like yours is um, shadow IT, gray IT purchasing that happens without the traditional controls doesn't come through you. Um, I know a lot of people that are trying different ways to make sure that doesn't happen through Mm -hmm. finance, purchasing, contracting, you know, all stop gaps where things get flagged and Mm whoa, whoa, whoa. This needs a sign-off from the CISO or from security. Um, it, most people, again, sound like it's a work in progress and uh, not a lot feel, you know, we've got this totally locked down. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: I think that's another value proposition for us working with a hardware access control like Sepio because let's say you've got a person who's new to the organization and they are they're cost-conscious. They want to buy something that saves the company money. They may look to a refurbished piece of equipment or they might want to use something that um, is a lower cost option or buy something from an unauthorized vendor that they think they're doing the right thing. Um, or maybe you've got somebody who's trying to reuse an old piece of equipment. Their intentions are pure, but they may not understand the risk of that decision. So being able to monitor the existence of things and understand the, uh, when that's happening is really important, not just on the software side. I think it's important on the hardware side as well.
0: So we talked a lot about tools and technologies and things like that you're putting into place. Um, you know, many say that you you need a employee base, a, an organization that has a good security culture. So people care. If people don't care, uh, doesn't matter all the tools you put in place, it's not going to help. You're going to have problems. So is that almost another part of your job? There's the technical side, all these things we talked about. And then there's how do I work with HR? How do I work with my peers? How do I try and get people to care and educate them to understand that, hey, there's a patient care element to this. There's patient safety risk if you click on the wrong thing and we wind up having to go on paper for a month. Um, What are your thoughts around balancing that and, and making that part of what you do?
1: Yeah, I think cyber hygiene is is an organizational change management problem, and and I think that's where I'm grateful that our organization we have this kind of collaborative spirit. It's it's not no one's expecting the security team to solve these problems. It's really something where we talk about behaviors and education as a, as a team. So I think that's a, a an important thing for organizations to do is to start thinking about it as a business risk, not as a technical risk. And really think about it in every process that you implement, and um, making sure that people understand how to
0: um,
1: safely proceed with with their business process.
0: How are you seeing the uh, talent market? Um, are you seeing are you are you able to fill the roles you have open? Are you mm-hmm. able to to maintain people? Do you do you see either a current or a coming? shortage with problems where i have these open positions and i can't fill them and we're paying a pretty good rate what are your thoughts around the it security talent market out there
1: i think it's a perfect time to get into the it security market i think i would encourage everybody to to in, to explore it as a field because we need more people and i i'm in, in actually optimistic about it i've i've got relationships with lots of colleges and universities and I just see so much interest in in this field and people are asking how to get in um how to add value and I think it's a good time for um the industry to to embrace that and and find ways to bring new people into the field and instead of looking only for people who've got a high level of credentials or uh some level of experience I think it's it's a perfect time to bring in people with without that experience help train them and inspire them. And I think we'll be surprised how, how big this um, population of candidates will become.
0: Are there any key uh, traits you're looking for in someone you're bringing in at that level who, who doesn't have the experience, but what do you, what do you want to see from them?
1: We want people to that care about the organization's mission and what we're doing. That's uh, very important to us. We also want them to be very inquisitive. We want them to think about and understand the intended uses of technology and also kind of um, understand the unintended uses of that technology. So um, we we look for that, that kind of marriage of those two um, skill sets.
0: We have a lot of CISOs, as the name of our publication would indicate. We talk to a lot of CISOs and interview a lot of CISOs. Uh, as a C, I'm sorry, CIOs. So as a CISO, uh, what would you say to our CIO readers about what um, CISOs need from CIOs to be successful?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I'd say thank you to all the CIOs because it is, it's not possible to function as a security team without having that strong relationship with the it teams it's it's a journey that we're on together and so i would say cios embracing that role and saying we are partners in this and they can focus more of their energy on the intended uses of equipment and assets and technology and CISOs can step in and help be uh, responsible for managing the unintended uses of that technology
0: very good. Do you have any any final thought, um, you know, any final word of wisdom, piece of advice? Think of your, uh, when you answer this, I would say think of your CISO colleagues that maybe are not quite as, haven't been as focused as the core issue we talked about today, haven't, you know, maybe real busy and just haven't had time to focus on that. What would be your best advice as you leave them today?
1: I would just say stay open to new ideas, um, continue to think about and be inquisitive yourself. Um, it's difficult to decide what to do and when to do it in this business, but um, I, I would just say, stay inspired, stay focused. Um, and embrace your, your business partnerships because those are going to be your, um, your best allies in this fight.
0: All right, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate it.
1: It's great spending time with you, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you.